Pilots Outdoor Explorer. I'm your host, Lisa Keller. When Alaska Airlines Captain Jody Harskamp took leave due to the pandemic and her children's school shifted to online learning, she and her husband, Neil Stanbury, decided to take school on the road. Over the past three episodes, we have heard about their trips to the parks of Washington, Oregon, California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Florida. In this episode, the last of our episodes, the stand camps are in Florida when Jody gets called back to work. The homeward bound journey begins with some stops in the Southwest before heading back to Alaska. Keep listening for more on Outdoor Explorer. Jody Harskamp and Neil Stanbury, along with their children, Tui and Leaf, are joining me again to tell about their adventures homeschooling on the road. And this is our fourth episode, and this episode is Homeward Bound. Uh, thanks for joining me again today, Stan Camp family. Hi. Hi there. <laughs> Last time we spoke, you were in Florida. You actually weren't in Florida, but you were recounting your Florida adventures. Uh, I think you'd gone to the southernmost point in the United States. And then you came back to the mainland part of Florida, and then things changed a little bit. And Jody, probably you want to kick off what happened to start a change in plans on the trip. So I was on a, an extended leave from work, and then they recalled me, which that was always a possibility where they would give me a notice that I needed to come back to work. So I was recalled to work. So I left the children and my husband in Florida and we, uh, I flew back to go back to work and the, um, the kids and Neil continued on with, um, their adventures and homeschooling. And then the plan was for me to fly back and forth to meet up with them where, wherever they were. They decided to stay in Florida where it was warm. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it war- I think it was cold when you first got there or you had yeah, some was- cold weather there. Yeah. When we yeah. pulled the Cape Canaveral, it was like. 48 degrees, but yeah. we just hit a cold snap, but it was uh, really warm and nice. And so they decided to um, just enjoy a couple of weeks uh, in Florida, just at the beach and just went to a bunch of state parks and um, uh, just spent a lot of time on the beach, just staying uh, in their shorts and in their swimsuits and just enjoying um, all that uh, warm Florida in January can offer. And then mm-hmm. when I knew that I had some time off, we decided we were going to instead of flying to Florida and driving all the way to Colorado uh, together, they, we would just meet in Colorado. Mm-hmm. So they spent uh, three weeks in, um, in Florida just enjoying themselves, but then they made the long journey to, to Durango, Colorado to pick me up. Mm-hmm. And we actually made the, I actually had the kids kind of make that decision because I explained to them the plan and the time frame, and the choice was to either slowly um, make a slow roll back to Colorado or we just stay in the sun and the warmth, and then we have a, a quick, quick road trip um, back across to Colorado. And, and you can probably guess which which one we chose. So, um, so, so, what did you do? And besides uh, staying, hanging out at the beach, and everything, which is really lovely when it's January and you're from Alaska. Um, but what did you, what did you guys do in Florida besides that? First, saw met our friends who were on a road trip too, and they're huge hokey. And we like went to beaches and stuff. I don't really know. And and we and they our friends are in Florida, but um the guys 
um, the girl's wife and husband, <laughs> parents lived in Florida, so we went to their house and they live on a canal. We, they just gave us these bamboo rods, didn't have a reel on them or anything. And it was like probably as big as my mom with a line on there and a bobber and a hook like this big. Uh-huh. So bread on like video. And then and then every second you'd be catching these things called pinfish. Hmm. I don't know what a pinfish is. What's a pinfish? So what does like it look like? They're it's like flat. this big and they're flat. But their eyes are on both sides. And we get and then we grab and I'm like, oh I caught a fish and I grab it and I'm like ah. <laughs> Did it freak you out, the fish? No, it, no, it, it just, had spikes all over it. Oh that's why they're called <laughs> fish. I, I I get it now. <laughs> they have to grab their head and smooth down their uh, spines. Mm. Yeah, can you eat do you eat them? No. Well, no. And just throw them back and catch them again. Yeah, they're fine to eat. They taste good, but they don't. They give you like nothing on meat. Yeah, they're small. Oh, they're really bony. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think they just did a lot of kid stuff. You know, shell collecting, beach combing, mm -hmm. just a lot of downtime. They got caught up on some schoolwork. <laughs> We're at their their house. Um. Um, our friends caught lizards because they were like li these little small lizards. And then it was kind of funny because it, when I totally thought that our friend had pulled a lizard's tail off, because then he grabbed the lizard and it dropped its tail and it started wriggling everywhere. I was like, oh no. Wait, wait, the tail was wriggling tail or the wriggling on the ground? Oh, that's freaky. What did we learn about? Did that kill the lizard? No, because it, it can grow back a tail. It just does that. Because if a bird chasing it, the bird gets distracted by the tail and it runs away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they just drop their tail. And then Yeah, it's a pretty good defense, isn't it? And I got to carry a lizard around on my side for like the whole day because it wouldn't get off. I was just like... <laughs> you mean it was like clinging to your clothes or... Clinging to me. It was like... And we were... <laughs> Uh, um, buggy, a beach buggy, and we drove that around, which was fun. Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> Sitting there, and then it kept backfiring on me. And then we were like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> All these things that happen when I'm out there. Yeah. Well, so, um, uh, Tui and Leaf, uh, Florida is like the complete opposite of Alaska, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> Yeah, the fish went, will bite something really a halibut worm this big, even though they're the size of a salmon. It's crazy. Wow. So what? Yeah. yeah. Do, then, do you have a story on that? Yeah. <laughs> but we were at this Florida dock, and this guy was throwing all these um, fish heads in the water, and all these, uh, uh, what are they called? So the, the fishermen were coming in from their... Um, yeah. Their trips out and they were flaying their catches, weren't they? And there was a dock, and then Leaf saw all these fish in the water. And what were they doing? Tarpon. Tarpon. Oh, those are big sport <laughs> fish, right? Yeah, they were like this big. And then I'm like, oh, those are big fish, and they're everywhere. It said no fishing, which is annoying. <laughs> and but then I look over, and there's one seven feet long swimming in the water under the dock. But and I'm like, I think, uh, yeah, they're everywhere. And it was just ironic that we were in a 
a fishing wharf, you know, and uh, there were all these huge fish right there. And we had to ask the fishermen why they wouldn't catch the fish that are just right there. And apparently they're not good eating. They're good fighters, apparently, right? But they're yeah. not good to eat. The tarpon? Yeah. Because yeah. you usually take a, don't you usually have to take a boat out to the open ocean to get tarpon? I guess so. Well, yeah. not yeah. legally. Yeah, I don't know. I don't oh. know but literally hundreds of yeah. that spot. Tarpon yeah. swim in the shallows, though. It's kind of like the moose and oh, eagle. really? Yeah, they're protected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They figured out where all the food is and nobody's going to bother them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell we have a resident fisherman? Everything revolves around bones and fish relief. Yeah. So, and bows and murder. And, and bows. <laughs> if Leaf has a fishing tackle box that is um, one of the ones that opens up and kind of concertinas into multi level shells, mm -hmm. of which each shell oh, wow. is perfectly organized with all his fishing gear. By me. His, his bedroom, <laughs> on the other hand, is is just chaos. But yeah. his fishing tackle box mm -hmm. is amazing. And the backseat of the truck was always chaos, but the no, fishing no, gear no, was no, always no. impeccably organized. Uh, it was like, from leaf side to the dog bed separated at each of our sides so then you'd look over at leaf side you'd open the door and then it, everything would just fall out and then when if I, we were driving a lot then I would just try organizing it all in my tiny seat back pocket and then <laughs> throw all his garbage on the ground leave it for five months oh it's <laughs> And then, and then I would go and sweep it for him so he didn't have to stand on this much garbage. And then you were like, you'd see to his side, oh, it's immaculate. And then leaf side. <laughs> we have two distinct personalities here in the family. That, uh, that, that might be like firstborn, secondborn as well, right? <laughs> I mean, to his firstborn, so. Right. So very organized and yeah. everything has a place and secondborn just kind of. Hangs out. <laughs> I, was only be, I only was really organized in the truck because I was, I only had so much space. So I wanted to like, so I could fit more stuff if it was really organized. Mm -hmm. yes. And then my room. Treasures, yeah. lots of treasures. So, uh, so at that point then, so you guys are having a great time, hang out in Florida, on the beach a lot. Um, and Tui and Leaf, you guys kind of made the decision of like, it's time to leave. Or did your dad make that decision? My dad told us, and then we thought about it. And <laughs> he decided we'd rather spend more time in Florida and then do like three days of straight driving than slow. The, the truth is we're in this wonderful state park. Um, and um, my wife told me what the date was and the date kind of crept up on me. And then I suddenly realized how much, how many miles I had to cover in three days. So it was a bit of a last minute panic, but we made it. We made it. I think the conversation went something like this. I'm going to land at like 5 p.m. in Durango and you're still in Florida and you have literally like two and a half days and you're the only driver. And he was like, huh, maybe. maybe, maybe. I was like, maybe. So then, and then it was a mad dash to pack everything up and get out of there. Yeah, well, no, we were at this park. So we stopped at the state park on the way there. Where was it? The I'm one where we watched I know the one you're talking about. Was it in Arkansas? No, no, it was before we it was... Arkansas was on the on the on the journey. Right. It was like and they had that accent. It was hard to leave. Oh um, the state parks were so nice. It, 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 it was um it was a uh, Alabama. Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> 
Everything. They do have, they have accents in Alabama. Well, according to us, they have accents. <laughs> Very different from us. <laughs> we were at the state park and we were camping. And then there was these guys, there's this fam, a few families, like a little, like a few feet away, like in a different campsite. And they told, they said to us, um, oh yeah do you want to come over to our campsite because we're gonna watch spider-man tonight and they had brought this in like huge projector and this huge so it, was, like... it was wonderful so that was that was in um alabama i believe and they invited us over and it was just so nice because you know in the middle of covid and all and uh, it was just so such a good idea you know to be able to socialize with another family but outside, outside. yeah yep. with a big screen and um and they invited us over to watch spider-man didn't they yeah, and then we watched Spider-Man, but it ha stopped halfway through because their battery ran out in their car. Oh. <laughs> so we had to start the car in the morning. Oh. Well, good thing they invited you so they had to jump for the car the next morning, right? <laughs> yeah. So they made a mad rush to Durango, picked me up, and then we headed over to our uh, back on the National Park tour. We went to Mesa Verde National Park, which is that right outside of Durango. I love that park. That is yeah. just, it, it is really staggering to go there and see. That's where the Anazazis were, right? Yes. The cliff yeah. dwellings. And yeah, it's been like 30 years since I've been there, but it's an amazing park. We had to, unfortunately, I mean, you're right. The, the viewings of the dwellings are incredible by themselves. They weren't, we weren't able to um, go and do the guided tours, tours to the actual um, Pueblos themselves, and that was all closed down. Um, so we just had to kind of view them from afar, but even that was, was amazing. And there was a lot of snow there. So we were able to make snow angels in uh, Mesa Verde National Park. And then I, and then, <laughs> and then and we had like lunch when we were looking at the thing and I decided I was going to make a snowman, but instead I made a Buddha snowman. She made a snowman. <laughs> so. <laughs> So we left our little Buddha offering in Mesa Verde National. Oh, that's that's good. That is definitely appropriate. <laughs> On my behalf, I was all snow and loving. Yeah, so they hadn't seen snow, what, in a couple months? So they got all excited about snow and snowballs. So. But then my mom, my dad kept tripping us and making us fall in the snow. <laughs> running then he like sticks out his foot and we go face planting into the snow and then and then it was kind of funny that my dad tripped leaf and he fell in the snow and started laughing <laughs> my he was getting up and my mom decided to oh i could have some fun he just pushed leaf back over i wrestled and, and got him covered in snow you know moments that we don't forget when we abuse our children right right <laughs> we're just like you like snow so, and it was, so, it was a cold and blustery a couple days there but yeah. we, uh, there was nobody in the national park i mean i think no, we, we, saw a, two we saw two people <laughs> oh, um, wow and when we went through the and entrance but one ranger one ranger and, um, you know, some of the roads were closed, but you could just uh, walk on them. Uh, they had uh, actually groomed some of them for cross-country skiing. And it would have been great to have uh, the snowshoes with us, but we were able just to, to tromp around and 
and get down to see some of the and stuff. And it was but... kind of it was kind of funny because sometimes on the road trip we could convince my mom not to go for a seven mile hike. So we're um, in here there was like this really long hike that would go over like all the passes, and then Leaf and I kept um kept bugging my mom about it and then she finally said oh we're not gonna do it and then we were glad because then there was a huge storm oh and yeah we there was like, a big storm coming so and we were like yay 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 party were you were you camping out there in Mesa Verde uh no we well, went actually, to the um Airbnb they had been in the tent for like 14 days straight oh. So when we met up, we just decided since the storm was coming, we would just um, give them a chance to get caught up on laundry and mm-hmm. and actually have a bed to sleep in. So we did stay in an Airbnb just outside of Mesa Verde for a day or two to get reset. And then um, and then from Mesa Verde, we went. Um, so hold on just a second. I, I got to see if you guys remember this from Mesa Verde. Okay. The, the most impactful thing for me was looking at the at the dwellings in the cliffs and hearing about the, how they had the footholds going up and down. Yes. Oh yeah. That was bad. Like that, if, you, so, if you were out on the, on the bluff, you would never know that there was a dwelling underneath. And then they right. had footholds with like rope made out of whatever. And they could uh, lower things down and back up again. And I was just- And I'm then a- also I remember, if you guys remember this, that there was a sequence. So. Like if you were coming down to try to attack their village, if you didn't get the sequence right on how you put your feet, oh, you, yeah. you would be stuck. Huh. No, we didn't hear this. We'll okay, just... yeah. So I, I don't know. That's what the park ranger told us on the tour. You know? tour yeah, so yeah. we could oh, okay. on signs and that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 That I was just completely fascinated by that because I think it's just one of the parks in the West people need to go see because it is just to see the people who were here in at the beginning, you know, and um, how they had made this dwelling out of this really harsh environment. That was just amazing. I was just, I was really struck by it. We didn't have the conversation specifically about the footholds, but we did observe them and it did lead to a conversation about why they chose the location that they chose. And perhaps that was because it was so well hidden. And, uh, you know, perhaps they had to worry about attacks and that kind of thing. And then, like, storms. Yes, Yeah, they're super protected, like, because there's no snow in any of the dwellings, even though there's tons of snow. So they were super protected from wind, and they put them in the right spot, right? Mm -hmm. We're, after probably hundreds of years of observation, to figure out where they should put the dwelling. But, yeah. And then then to also think, like, we still don't know why they just completely disappeared. They just were gone. It's like, what happened? Yeah, it's kind of the mystery of the Western United States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. Um, uh, there was a we went. I can't remember the name of it, but there were some other dwellings too, where there was a, some state parks nearby that had small little enclaves of small dwellings, but nothing uh, of the size of Mesa Verde. But so we were able to explore that whole area um, as well. Just mm-hmm. not just the national oh, park, yeah, but yeah. yeah. This is probably my favorite part of one of the state parks we went to. So we went to the state park and it had like some dwellings in it and they were kind of like broken and stuff. So they were kind of, they were pretty cool. And then we went, we walked down and then there was this like um, uh, 
hit and then if you stood oh. over it it would like blow it had like oh. it was like um oh yeah uh, it was an air, it was just air. Air, air and it would like like go really fast up and then we would stand over it and, and then his shirt would go really high and look at my muscles it was kind of like imagine Marilyn Monroe standing over the vent right mm-hmm. You know, so it's the same idea. And this vent was, uh, you know, the, it was revered because it was like the earth speaking to, to them. So they had mm-hmm. built this thing around it. So of course, nobody fall in. And then it was, um, uh, yeah, we'd have to, have to look up where that was. But that was fascinating. We got a Junior Ranger book too. Um, and that was just a dwelling that was not part of the Mesa Verde National Park, but it was um, nearby. So, but it had this, portal to the underworld so to speak with this yeah coming out oh. it's fascinating and again we're the only people there <laughs> nobody else was there i mean this is the great thing about going off season right <laughs> nobody else is there especially if it's gonna snow <laughs> the right mind is traping through all the snow and uh willing to make the effort because it is a lot of effort when the roads are closed and you're willing to hike out to look at the stuff then you have it all to yourself mm-hmm. yeah so we left Mesa Verde, and then we went. Uh, we decided to kind of spend a bunch of time around the Four Corners and, and that area. So we drove to the Four Corners, thinking that since it's outside, that it would be open. But no, we could not. Four Corners, where Four Corners kids? Uh, they, uh, Utah, Utah, Colorado. Oh wait, wait, wait. Mex- New Mexico and Arizona. Good job. All right, and yeah, that was really good. The Four Corners was closed, so we have a sad picture of all of us sitting outside the chain link fence. <laughs> I, I don't understand. I mean, it's been a long time since I've been there, but I do remember that there was a big, you know, like monolith there that says something about the Four Corners, but I don't understand how they could close it. I mean, they didn't want anybody touching that or, I mean, so they oh. chain linked it off. I don't get that. COVID thing and it yeah. was a, um, it was a, uh, a you know, they're, they're run by the, the Navajo Nation and, Navajo and everything closed. Oh, yeah. Everything they were closed, so everything was closed. Right. Well, that kind of makes sense because the Navajo Nation was hit really, really hard with COVID. Yeah. So, but we just thought, oh, it'll be outside; it'll be totally open because we didn't have any cell phone reception to like, you know, figure out if it was open. We just drove over there and we're like, oh, oh it's closed. Like, so, but then, but we then we decided we were gonna because we went all the way out there. We just drove a few more miles and we went for the small little walk to these um. Uh, oh yeah those are so cool and then we played hide and go seek and it was kind of funny because when we played hide and go seek leaf decided oh i'll just find the tiniest crevice to hide in so we're like leaf we couldn't find leaf we all got a little terrified there for a few minutes because he wouldn't because we're playing hide and seek so you gotta be really quiet right so then he wasn't responding So we had a, the parents had a slight panic attack because we couldn't find yeah. it 15 minutes. Did you think it was going to like, <laughs> <laughs> so have the briefing, which is, okay, when we, you hear our voices, our tones change, you have to respond. So, mm-hmm. but then we went um, and we found those petroglyphs. So we, um, there's a lot of uh, places that there's just petroglyphs. Like, not, not part of a national park. They're just, just not even protected. Yeah. They're just there. And but it's kind of sad because people write. Well, then people realize it. But, well, yeah, well, no, but that's like, kind of interesting too, remember, because it is graffiti, but sometimes the graffiti was like 150 or 200 years old. Right. Which was that's you know, what I remember too. So you're like, 
oh, at the time this probably, well, if we look at it now, right. if we did, if you guys did graffiti now, it would be graffiti, but then you look at it like 200 years from now and all of a sudden it's like history. Exactly. Right, right. Oh, yeah. 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 So, yeah. Capital oh, yeah, we'll get to that, yeah. we'll get to that when we talk about the, but the, um, the <laughs> we stopped and pulled over and had lunch and we found these petroglyphs and we then, um, uh, we just started driving around, right? This is what you do when you're on a road trip. You just go, oh, where does this road take us? And we just kind of started driving around. We went, ended up at this, um, uh, it's called Horseshoe Bend. Uh, there's no, like a little- Swan Neck. Yeah. Is it Swan Neck? No, yeah. it was like something. Oh no, Horseshoe Bend was in Page, but yeah, yeah this was, like um, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but you know, you're just driving around and you're like, oh, Goosenecks. It, it's it's a, a comparable to Horseshoe Bend, but it's like, bigger and there's way more bins and there's this campground that overlooks the whole thing and it's like ten dollars a night and nobody's there and you're like wow phenomenal right so i'm sure this summer is just packed but you know in january so, dead was that in um arizona or colorado or i think that was we drove back up into utah yeah. into utah okay yeah so we kind of did this like four to corners and then since that was closed, we just started meandering back through. Mm -hmm. I think we just, just went right back into Utah. Um, we could see National Monument, you know, uh, the you know, most picturesque National Monument in, in the distance. We could see those mountains. Mm -hmm. But um, this unmarked road ended up down at this little campground that... It's kind of like the Grand Canyon in the sense that you can overlook the, the landscape and talk to the kids about um, the meandering rivers and erosion and eons of time that it takes you know because you can really see the stratifications over a huge huge area because of the right. aspect that you're at and yeah. you know the kids could kind of get an appreciation of how that comes about you know but when we were in Tugstill Hooters and I had in that crap I'm like oh did I just say crap <laughs> crap but I was like what? when I was in that crap I was like Please make sure there isn't any scorpions in here. Wow. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> when you're crawling around in cracks in the hoodoos, there's a chance for not just scorpions but rattlesnakes and <laughs> all oh. kinds of things we don't have here. Right. And then so, we're like shouting for like an yeah. So we and that uh, goosenecks um, is between Monument Valley and Valley of the Gods. So we just we spent a couple of days just driving like where these roads take us these tall vistas these unbelievable um panoramic views of just amazing rock and it's a completely different landscape than we're used to yeah mm -hmm. just uh i mean unbelievable and then, i just think that area of the united states is i love california as well and obviously i love alaska but in the lower 48 the whole four corners area is just one of the most unusual picturesque yeah places in the whole United States. You are listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Lisa Keller. We're going to take a short break, and when we return, the conversation with the Harskamp Stanbury family will continue. You're listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. Find the show anytime as a free podcast in the iTunes store, or connect with us online at alaskapublic.org. You're listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Lisa Keller. My conversation with Jody Harskamp and Neil Tui and Leaf Stanbury continues.
we pulled over and went to uh, Natural Bridges National Monument, which is not, uh, of course, a national park. But um, so there are these amazing bridges that have been created through, you know, years and millennia of water running through them. And um, so, of course, I get the great idea of that. We're going to go on this like eight mile. We have to hike down this uh, this huge cliff that's covered in snow. And then we're going to walk this riverbed and then we're going to climb out. And the kids are like, mom's back. <laughs> so no, no one in the audience obviously can see the faces that I'm looking at right now as you describe this really awesome hike you want to do. And everybody else in the family is like, oh, not another one. <laughs> So we, we set sail first thing in the morning. We drive over to this. Um, and we're, again, we're, we're the only car in the parking lot, right? Well, because there's tons of snow and most people aren't willing to go out there, you know, with all the snow. But so mom is. Heck yeah, man. Of course she is. <laughs> we go down 900 feet into this crevasse uh, underneath this first bridge. And then we walk this riverbed and then we have to climb back out again. But we decided we were going to make it shorter and then mom would hike the whole thing, run back and get the car while we got to walk a slow meandering walk on the road instead of doing the crevice walk. And then when we were walking on the road and we're like, she should be driving back now. And apparently she was talking. (laughs) To one person. One person. Of course. But my my when we're when we're sitting out of when my mom's going into FedEx or something and she's taking forever, like she's probably talking to somebody right now. Darn it. I'm just just talk to people, just meet people and you just find out their story and it's just fun. Yep, so it is. We did run into one person and they were fascinated that we had just taken our children on the same hike they had done because they were like you took your kids on that I was like yeah they're like but that's like super dangerous and I'm like what it's like a 900 foot that's not dangerous like people have no concept of like what uh what these kids are capable of let alone what we, what we do. 900 foot down cliff oh they're gonna be fine but of course my dad got the high bend so my sister and I and my dad we all went up we switch back up to the top when my mom was doing the whole hike. But my dad got the advantage of taking all the snow up there. Yeah, because he has such a long stride. So then this is what he did. He got Leaf to hurry up, and I was just meandering along, and I had had brought my pocket knife, and I had I was collecting um, cactus, cactus spikes because those were mm-hmm. so cool. Anyways, um, then it was really... And, we, and then I was just walking along and I'm like, dad, wait for me. And they had been hiding. There was like this switchback and they had been hiding behind these trees. And, and they're like, built like a huge snowball pile. We're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm just like standing there like being pelted. It was, it was an ambush. It was an ambush. Snowball ambush. Oh, my, that reminds me of when I was a kid, my dad would do the same kind of stuff with my brother or he'd do it to me and my brother but last times it was my dad and my brother doing it <laughs> yes yeah, so and then, uh Chewy stuck up for herself but then yes I ran back and got the car and then we and then we headed out um and then we, we headed to no we and then we stopped in so then we kind of went back into Colorado because the road led that way so we went back to Colorado and we stopped in Ure Colorado mm-hmm. um which is the mecca of ice climbing, if you're familiar. So, um, and then we, for my birthday, 
for Tui's early birthday present, um, we met up with a, a friend of mine who is a guide there and she took us ice climbing. So to introduce Tui into the art of ice climbing, Tui rock climbs. So this was a whole different scenario with the ice climbing, but she knew at least. And then it was kind of fun because there was this one climb that we did and there was this tiny crack up at the top where I could squeeze barely through. And then my mom tried and she got stuck. Yeah. And she was like, Because I'm three times bigger than you. So it was perfect for her, not so much for me. So I had to back out and kind of go up and around. But um, Ure is, is fascinating because they it's man-made ice. So they spray water on it every night and then it just creates this beautiful, um, perfect ice to climb on and it's free. It's full into Wow. Yeah. It's free. You don't know. That's have kind of their that's kind of their thing, huh? Like we're gonna have free ice climbing here. This is gonna be our thing. Yeah. So you can make a donation and then uh, that keeps the pipes and stuff running. And so there's uh, a lot of sporting companies that you make huge donations every year to keep this going. Um, and then guides, I think, pay a little a little money to use it to guide people on. But when mm -hmm. if you just live there or you want to just be passing through, you can use that whole facility for nothing. Mm -hmm. so. Well, we were thinking about Anchorage and thinking about uh, the uh, Moose's Tooth peeps. Yeah. That's how great it would be. If to, they're listening. You know, if you've got the rock gym, how cool would it be to have ice climbing right. in, in Anchorage? Yeah. Go ahead, Leaf. Were you about to say something? <laughs> Cool that split the rock gym in half, and one side was freezing cold, <laughs> and the other one was warm. And one side would be ice climbing, and the other one would We're be just rock do it on the outside. Make the outside well, from you know October to April the ultimate ice climbing wall. You know, at APU they've done that off of the back of the Mosley Sports Center before. Okay. Um, yeah. So the outdoor program, along with Mark Phillips, who used to be the director there. Um, I don't, I only saw it one year, but he might've done it multiple years, but he had a big ice wall going back there. Yeah. 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 yeah so huge resource. I mean, and what a way to, cause people come from all over to go URA. I mean, so you're, I mean, it's just another economic, uh, you know, great idea to get people uh, tourism to Alaska mm -hmm. in the winter. Yep. Don't now, did you guys go to the hot springs? Cause that's the other thing they're known for. <laughs> hot springs. So Tui and I did the rock climbing and then Leaf and uh, or uh, ice climbing and Leaf and, and Neil went for a walk, a uh, little lost. hike, and got lost. In this ice place and he kept slipping, I was slipping down this cliff, and then, but we went to this frozen waterfall and I got an icicle this long. Whoa. Doing on that the whole way. And of course, and we got the dog back at this point. That's the one thing we skipped. Over. Oh, yeah. We picked the dog up. Yeah. We picked the dog up. Yeah. She was uh, hanging out in Durango with a girlfriend of ours on a sabbatical away from the truck. And that's one of the reasons why I flew into Durango so we could come back and, and pick her up. Mm -hmm. so she's back with us. So they took the dog on a nice long walk and we got to do some ice climbing and then. It was kind of funny when we picked the dog up. She was she was so excited to see us, but then she also didn't want to leave, so she was just laying on the bed on the floor, like <laughs> yeah, like lucky dog living in Durango. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> out of the truck for like you know an extended period of time, she was very spoiled, um, and yeah, living in Durango, like yeah the hot springs in Yore is so funny because when we went there on the way into the hot springs there was oh. this fish pond 
So we came there to, and you can buy these bags like this big of fish food for 25 cents. So we got, we got $8 worth of fish food and we threw it in the water. Wait, okay, the and now, there now. was these huge carp that kept eating it. There's turtles. And then the Nuka was trying to like kiss the fish. So she would like, <laughs> lean over in the water when they came up to eat the food. He'd just like start like, <sighs> and trying to like be a bear. <sighs> and then- I don't think she was trying to kiss them. I think yeah. she was trying to- <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to eat them. Especially monitoring that. And then, and then, she, then she was, then my dad was like, "Don't fall in, Nuka." And then a few minutes later, she falls in. And then my dad's like, "Ma!" Oh yeah, that that happened when Dad and I were fishing at Bill's house. Remember when she fell in the lake? Yeah, she gets a little excited and then. But, but then I was trying to get one of the goldfish to swim in my hand, where I put all the fish food in my hand. Third down, and then when it one swings through my hand and grabs it, I can. Yuri was a beautiful town, and actually one of many um, little ski towns or little you know rural towns in that area that were just just lovely, really right. nice. Very nice. They have some really cool little towns right around there. So then we okay. So yep, now you you're heading out of Yuri. So now we're heading out of Yuri. So then we're heading back into. Um, heading towards Utah again. And then uh, we stop at the uh, Black Canyon of the Gunnison, which was actually, I think, one of the more surprising national parks because it was, um, there was a lot of snow. We should have had snowshoes. Um, we had our little um, can... uh, micro spikes, which was gonna be good enough, but um, we wanted to get down to the river, but that trail um, was not open. And, you know, I'm sure if you would have had, if we would have had snowshoes and set up for, um, the ultimate, you know, expedition, Alaska style, we would have been fine. But um, the, the rangers were like, hey, no one's been down in a while. There's really no, you know, marked trail. And um, so we just decided to stay on the rim. But um, we, that is a park we will be going back to. Yeah, and it will when I have my fishing rod because I don't want to catch one of those huge. There are record size <laughs> rainbow trout in that river, which for catch and release. So I told Leaf, we will at some point go back to the Black Canyon of the Gunnison. And even hike down in the winter, you're allowed to fish um, and bring all the appropriate gear. And we will go back and, and explore that river because it was, um, oh, it's just, I mean, it's like the Grand Canyon, but like super small. And um, the cliffs are just amazing. The rock climbing there is out of control. So that is that is on the list of places to go back. But, mm -hmm. and, and just as beautiful in the winter, um, again, no people. And the rangers were happy to talk to us about, you know, coming back in the, in the appropriate time to go fishing and, um, so then, uh, we, uh, headed from there and then we, we went through like Fruita and, then, and Grand we were, Junction. We went through this, I think state park, but I'm not, I'm not sure, but there was the, you had the road and then there was no railings and then there was a steep mm. cliff. Like oh this. my God. <laughs> and you're like, state, the closest. We went through the Colorado <laughs> Monument. It was, it's called the Colorado Monument. And that is an epic bike ride, road bike ride, right? And then there's these huge cliffs with no guardrails. You're just right. <laughs> and you know, I'm not like totally into guardrails, but I was I was thinking, man, you know, like we put guardrails on the turning an arm, you know, and right, this, right. If there was a place to put a guardrail, it should be at the <laughs> monument. Cause this, I mean, it would just drop off. Um, oh was, yeah. We, right and then next, we remember right, we pulled over and yeah, and then happened? right next to the road there was a big horn sheep and I'm like Please just die so I can get your skull right now. 
I'm like die, die, die. <laughs> I'm like, gosh, our child is awful. Um, well, we, we pulled over to take a picture. It was the sun was setting and it was gorgeous. And then and this big one, she and we literally pulled us. over and wow. I opened the and this because you know they just blend in like moose, you know, like you don't yeah, yeah. They actually move. So I opened the door and there's this huge bighorn sheep and he just is looking at us and we're looking at him and we thought and my mom like screamed and shut the door I, I, I just it spooked me just for a second and i just jumped back in the truck and, I just, I was like, oh. and so leaf wanted to chase it to see if it was going to drop its horns and uh, <laughs> did, did we did we mention that he likes uh all bones and uh, yeah and, i've always wanted a sheep skull he's always wanted a sheep so um, anyway, so that was, uh, that was a gorgeous, gorgeous drive to do at sunset. And, um, uh, and then we were just making our way. We finally made our way up to, um, Moab and our first stop was, um, Arches National Park, which is kind of like the park everybody goes to, you know, right. It's Arches. And there's a couple other national parks around there that most people don't hit because everybody goes to delicate arch in Moab. That's like the go-to place. So we hit Moab and oh, yeah. and in the we middle of winter, the, we which is the, the, we hiked up to the delicate arch, and then ev- there was a lot of people there, and then it decided to start pouring rain, and we're all like, this like um tiny overhang that was like that big, so we're mm-hmm. just like flattening against the wall, and everybody's like running to go to the car again, and then um we when we walked back down and then it was lovely because the dog was in the car and we cracked the windows and the rain was coming in sideways so my seat was soaking wet when I got back (laughs) your nice nice clean organized area yeah (laughs) right open the I was freezing and I was so wet and then I was and then I opened the car and I'm like my seat's like squeezing water i was like back up a little bit so we we go to delicate arch and and even at moab uh and uh arches even in the beginning of february it was it's still relatively busy i mean you know the um that whole area is busy all the time but um we kind of hit it on the low season right so we hike out to delicate arch and you know, there's a storm moving in. You can see it. I mean, it's just like black clouds, but we figured, well, the car is like right there. We're going to be fine. But um, when it started to rain, it was actually like snowing. It was like a a snow, rain, sleet mix. And most people up there were in like shorts and t-shirts. And we actually had some raincoats and some gear with us, which was great. So we hunkered down and let the the storm go over us. And then we, um, the sun came back out. So on the hike back down, we we were able to be out of the rain and, and we actually really enjoyed ourselves, but we just hunkered down that, like Tui said, in this little tiny crevice. We all just kind of got in there. And um, and then when the, this it ended, we had the whole place to ourselves. Nice. So when then we went back up and sat and looked at Delicate Arch with no people. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it's amazing. A little rain, and some sleet and some cold weather just scares mm-hmm. everyone away. So, But again, another great illustration of um, a different landscape for the kids to see and mm-hmm. see how, um, you know, flash flooding right. can be, uh, you know, they can see that. I mean, we didn't experience that because it wasn't a harsh enough storm, but even the small amount of rain that we had produced, you know, those, remember those little streams that were running off oh, the Oh, it was rocks? instantaneous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It was like all of a sudden so, you're now in a raging river. Yeah. So... 
It was my, my cousin lives in Moab and she says that this is the busiest year they have ever had Whoa. as tourists goes. She goes, it has been busy constantly. Yeah. So I thought, I think that's kind of interesting. It seems like, um, because you guys have experienced so many just empty parks, but that park in particular, because where, where it's located, I think yeah. is just easy for people to get to and everybody wants to be outside and, she yeah. said it's been a crazy year in Moab with tourists. Huh. Well, so. when we, we hit it really nice because we were, we felt like we, we were doing these mm -hmm. hikes too, where there'd be just a couple people. And then um, obviously we couldn't take the dog <clears throat> on any of the hikes. So I would do the hikes with the kids and Neil would like ride his bike on the road and exercise the dog and then join us later. But we did a couple days in, uh, in arches. And then of course, just right there is Canyonlands National Park, mm -hmm. which is where we hit next, which was also a very surprising, beautiful national park that we knew nothing about and um, is kind of a little mini Grand Canyon. And not so many, but not so many. <laughs> okay. uh, just it, it, I, I found Canyonlands amazing because you, because the Grand Canyon, you kind of look over and then you see the river, right? Or maybe not see the river, but it's just this one big canyon. Well, Canyonlands is a canyon on a canyon on a canyon, and then you see the river. So mm -hmm. And uh, I think it was just kind of like yeah, one of our like little five canyon. It's like over the canyon and another canyon and another canyon and then another canyon and finally mm -hmm. the river. Some place I'd love to go back that really opened my eyes to the um, the off road off roading and remote camping opportunities in that area. Yeah, but um, there are a couple of outfitters um, there that um, you know offered that kind of excursion. Like we geez. actually did a little um, trail in our truck. Um, our truck is not really set up. It is four wheel drive, but the amount of stuff that we have hanging on our truck. And then there was this big, like, there was this, um, like rock that had fallen over. So you had to like, that. you had to have your car that could fit under and we had all the stuff on top. So we had like a half a centimeter. We made it. We made it. Under the rock. And we were, and I would, and then I was filming the whole thing on my camera. We're like, we're all going to die. We, we, we didn't. <laughs> The point where my wife said, "Do you think we're going to make it?" And I think my, my, my response was, "Well, it's not like we can turn around and go back." <laughs> yeah, we decided. Uh, we're, when looking at this map, of course, I love paper maps, right? So I, I buy this paper map of the whole area, and I'm like, "Oh, there's this really cool trail that we can cut off. We don't have to go on the highway. We can go down this, and we can go from um, uh, this national park over to Capitol Reef. So let, let's take this side road. Okay, so it's like a." 45 degree incline with like rocks that are gigantic and the truck is just so overladen that like we're trying to go down and not scrape the the bikes and the you know it's just like so that's when i was like i think we're we made it because <laughs> <laughs> i know is when we got back to the hotel we were staying at it was like the middle of the night because it took forever to get oh my gosh oh my god <laughs> yeah. we just and I was saying my motto over and over again. We're all gonna die. Yeah, like, <laughs> overreacting in the backseat, but uh, we're all die. we uh, we left Canyonlands and then we went um, to Capitol Reef, and that was our twenty third national park. So we wow. ended the trip at Capitol Reef. We didn't make it to Bryson Zion because I had to go back to work, but we um, we really took the time to see Capitol Reef. And that's when I think Tui wanted to talk about, there was some graffiti on the um, petroglyphs, but it was from like the and turn of the it, century. But it was kind mm -hmm. of funny because somebody had shot with a like gun, they had shot their name into the rock. Right. 
So then you're oh just, my gosh, you're kidding me. No, so they like, but back in the day, like in 1932, so this guy like signs his name and then he shot, I don't know, like Frank or something. And he like took like all these bullet holes and spelled his name. And I'm thinking, how much effort did that take? But yeah. He was probably using a musket or something. So <laughs> yeah. So there were these trails that the these pioneers were doing, and then they would kind of sign their name and like what date they were. So some would say like Christmas Day, 1914. And so the that graffiti, which at the time probably looked terrible, but now it's like, you know, a part of a national monument. So right. Reef was also just an amazing little gym. We camped there, the stars were amazing. But that was our 23rd and final national park for that section of the trip. Um, and we, um, from there, drove to Salt Lake City. I flew home with Tui and then Neil drove to Seattle. And then I picked Neil up, uh, Leap up there. And then Neil did the huge drive up the Alcan by himself with the dog. Um, Which but- probably at this point isn't that interesting because you're, you cross the border and you just have to hightail it for Alaska, right? It no was, visiting. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. Interesting. It was um, a three night, four day trip from mm-hmm. uh, yeah. very organized by the canadians yeah if, if this the best picture we probably got is on the out on the alkin and the dog is just sprawled over the back <laughs> oh she had the yeah, whole truck like, to herself oh she was so happy wasn't she she's, she's like finally <laughs> i have all this space so we, um, we so we saw a total of 23 national parks the mileage we did was if you count the Alcan driving home, the truck did 16,406 miles and 151 days on the road for the wow. children. And Neil tack on an extra couple of days up the Alcan. Mm-hmm. But so 151 days on the road and 16,406 miles and 23 national parks. Amazing. That's just amazing. So before we go, which we're getting close to the end of our time here. I, I really want to know how each of you felt that this trip changed you. And um, I, I'll tell you, for me, kind of the realization of being sort of on this journey with you is um, how much it changed the kids, really. And how also, and you had a, the perfect story earlier today, Neil, was how when you take your kids on this stuff and you start doing it from the very beginning, and you have the expectation that they can do it, they can do it. And that is just amazing to see. Like, I really don't think, uh, you know, and I have kids, so I can say this, but we push our kids hard enough to do some stuff. And actually for your kids, it wasn't even really a push because they're just (laughs) used to this stuff, you know? (laughs) So um, starting with Jody, how did this, um, how do you think this changed you? Your trip was a little bit different because you had to fly in and out. Um, Yeah, you know, actually, as much as my husband likes to complain that I try to cram too much in one day, which is just my personality, like mm-hmm. I wake up every morning and I'm happy to be here. Right. Mm-hmm. And right. I decide every morning when I wake up, I'm still here. How am I going to make today amazing? Right. And that's every day of my life. So mm-hmm. when I wake up in the middle of a beautiful national park, like let's go see it, you know, let's go experience everything that it has to offer. So I did have to tone it back a little bit because we also were on the slow roll. Mm-hmm. So like when we'd find a nice, really nice place to, to be, it was nice to stay there for five to seven days, which is not normally what I'm doing. I'm usually go, go, go. So right. I feel we like, at school. and we were at school. So we had to, we incorporated learning about the national parks as part of their curriculum, but they also still had to do the normal math and all that stuff. So um, it was, 
good for me to slow down a little bit, although Neil probably would disagree that this was a slow trip. Um, <laughs> but for Jody, it was a slow trip. <laughs> it was a slow trip. And also you're on the same speed as your children. And when I hike with them, I'm on, you know, leaf speed, which mm -hmm. is not uh, finding the bones. Oh, let's go hike up that ravine to get the skull. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it changed me, which means it, it, um, I feel like I, I got a little closer to my children in the sense that when you're on a road trip like that, you're in close quarters. There's no escaping one another. Mm -hmm. You are in each other's space all the time. And we just learn how to cope with one another without a, a place to, you know, hide. You don't have your mm -hmm. own place to go hide in. So yeah. um, I feel like we all- Except if you want to go hide on a different mountain. Yeah, unless you want to go hide <laughs> and hide. But, um, but I feel like we, we all got a little closer and, um, in a good way, you know. Mm -hmm. Tui, Tui, you're up next because you're next. You're sitting right next to your mom. So, <laughs> how did it change you? Yeah, how did it change you? You don't know. <laughs> it didn't come back to you. you. You know how I see the change in you is that in the beginning, you you were offering things, but toward as each episode, both you and Leaf, as each episode has gone by, you've contributed more and more to the conversation. And that's been really wonderful to watch you guys grow on this trip in that way and take ownership of the trip. <laughs> okay, we'll move on from you. I'll come back to you in 10 years and ask you how it changed you, okay? Uh, well, Leaf, you kind of moved yourself in before your dad, so I guess I'm going to take you next. How did this change you? And it changed me. Now I'm Captain Cool. <laughs> so he is a standard eight-year-old who, there you go. That's his, yep. Leaf. And you, you, I think that you learned that there's probably a lot more bones in the world that you need to collect. Yeah, especially on the turnigan arm. Turning you see arm. all those doll sheep, and I hope one of them will die soon. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. So maybe you've learned to accept death from your dad's driving and all the animals. <laughs> yeah, Every day you wake up, you're still here. That's right. Yeah. Um, okay, Neil. I, I just think it's about, you know, the, the adaptability of the kids, you know, on the trip. Um, they, they really grew during this trip. And I think what you just said, you know, they, they maybe can't pinpoint it at this age, but when you, you hear and witness their memories of this time, um, you realize you've done a, a good thing. Um, you know, because, you know, as you alluded to, um, and maybe they've talked about, you know, it's not all uh, a bed of roses, you know, sometimes mm. these things are tough, you know, and we have bad days, just like everybody has bad days. But when we reflect on this, um, there's a lot of positive experiences there. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's, that's why it's travels worthwhile. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a great way to take this series out for sure. Okay, I have really, oh. oh, you got one more thing. He's ready. Okay. Well, oh, you're I ready. Okay. Changed me uh, how I got a break from swimming and then I beat on my times. <laughs> but now that as a coach, that is very interesting. And this is what I tell people all the time. You have to take breaks from training and you'll come back better. And, and, yeah. and Leaf has that same exact same story, not to swim, mm -hmm. but for piano. He left his piano <laughs> lessons, left it for close to six months, came to it and he he progressed more in the first two weeks than he had in probably the, the last two years. Right, mm -hmm. yeah, turning to it fresh, it was really interesting. And we all that is really great. We all got a break from 
the day in to day out school with sports and running around and, you know, Costco shopping. And, you know, we all got a break from that. We just had to take one day at a time and figure out what we we're going to do and enjoy each day and where we're at and not run around and, I, and be part of the grind, you know? Mm-hmm. It also changed me is how you don't need, like you don't need an entire refrigerator. You can have a small cooler and then you have to go pick exactly what you need, not go buy everything you want. <laughs> I love that. That is amazing to learn so early, especially yeah. in such a consumer society. <laughs> It's amazing a, you only have a truck to carry. Suddenly you don't need anything at the store. Right. You have to live in your truck. And mm-hmm. for our limited space for our food, and like Tui said, for our, our perishable items, when you only have one tiny little cooler, you're really selective on what you're going to have. And you really have to plan what you want to buy. Mm-hmm. You can go in the grocery store and fill the cart. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I am sure I will be checking in with you all again at some point because I know there's more adventures to come. And uh, Jody certainly has some things lined up, but I think as a family, I'm sure you guys are going to continue adventuring like this. It's really wonderful to see. And, and I look forward to watching Tui and Leaf grow and, and what kind of adults this is going to make them because I think you guys are going to be pretty cool, Leaf. <laughs> <laughs> We appreciate the opportunity because I know there's a lot of families that would love to go do it and it's not the right time for them, but maybe they can make it happen mm-hmm. um, when it's time for them to do it. Cause there's a lot of people that would love to do it. And a lot of people I've already spoken to that uh, want to know how we got started and you just have to go. Let's yeah. Do it. Yeah. So you've inspired a lot of people. Well, I, mean, I don't know if we're inspirational, but it just, uh, it helps people, um, believe that they can do it too so thank you for joining me jody to elif and neil and uh i really look forward to talking to you again in the future thank you lisa thank you thank you you. that's it for today's show thanks to the stan camp family jody hartskamp and neil tui and leaf stanbury for sharing their incredible journey visit the outdoor explorer page at alaskapublic.org for pictures of their adventures after leaving florida the show is produced by eric bork My name is Lisa Keller, and from all of our hosts here at Outdoor Explorer, thanks for listening, and we'll see you outside. Outdoor Explorer is a production of KSKA Public Radio in Anchorage, Alaska. Theme music is by Portugal, The Man. Views expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect the station or its underwriters. You can find Outdoor Explorer on Facebook and in your favorite podcast app. To see what's coming up on Outdoor Explorer and add your voice to the conversation, go to our website at alaskapublic.org. Life Informed. This is Alaska Public Media.